This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Episode 47 of the Top Rope Nation podcast. We're back full time. This is Ryan Drosty of popculture.com, joined by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. We're here to talk all the latest in pro wrestling, and this has been a crazy week in the world of wrestling. We had a pay per view, we had a much talked about edition of Monday Night Raw on Monday night, and uh, SmackDown, a main event that's got people talking. So, Justin, how's it going, man? How's your week going this week? It's been a uh, a real roller coaster of emotions. Um, obviously, you pointed out last week that uh, we're all going to WrestleMania, and this is going to be my first WrestleMania. And you know, I've been a fan for a really long time. My very first memory of wrestling was uh, Evil Earl Hebner, the Twin, uh, interfering in the match that cost Hogan the title, where, where Andre gave it to DiBiase. And so I, I've been really hoping, even though his match quality has dropped dramatically, I've been hoping and praying that we get Taker at Mania. You you have had your heartstrings tugged at quite a bit this week, Justin, because the stories that have been going around, Taker's out, Taker's in, we've been texting back and forth. I think there is a pretty good chance we're still going to get The Undertaker. I hope for your sake, because we're going to be there together, and, and you're gonna just, it's just going to ruin our weekend if The Undertaker's not there. <laughs> Kyle, how's it going over there in Cleveland, Ohio? I don't know, man. I kind of feel like one of the uh, luchadors from the Nitro era. You know, five minutes notice, get the fuck out there, man. Do something. <laughs> Kyle was not sure if we were recording tonight. We we had kind of communicated earlier today, but I guess we didn't confirm. And we're like, Kyle, where are you at? He's like, oh, shit. I'm going to get my stuff together. So we're kind of winging it this week. But, hey, I think in the past, some of our best shows have been when we were Kind of just going off the cuff, so we'll see what happens. But uh, had some positive feedback on last week's show. It's good to be back with you guys talking professional wrestling. And uh, I do want to say before we get started, uh, if you are enjoying this show, if you could go on iTunes and leave us a review, a five-star rating. You see, the, the problem we're having right now <laughs> as we get back into the swing of things is we hadn't done a show in like six months. So I think we've kind of been pushed to the back of the line with all the thousands of professional wrestling podcast so if you guys could just go on there and flood itunes with five-star reviews that would help get us noticed we would greatly appreciate it uh if you you know if you listen through stitcher radio you can leave us a rating on there as well um or topropenation.com our entire library is there as well 
So I think I wanted to start out. Hold on. I say, if nothing else, just at least they were better than Brad Shepard, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but if yes. Sorry, Brad. We I've been associated with Brad Shepard a little bit in the past, and uh, all I'm going to say about that is I am shocked that anybody considers Brad Shepard an insider on professional wrestling. I can assure you from my dealings with this guy, he is not a real insider of professional wrestling. Meltzer who? Brad's the real deal. Probably the worst Twitter comment in the history of Twitter.com. That uh... <laughs> that was bad. And, and trust me, Meltzer hasn't exactly had a banner 12 months either, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> Brock Lesnar and the much-talked-about no-show. Um, when you guys were watching this, did you think like for a minute – with that Reigns promo, it was legit. I mean, there is a lot of people, you know, oh, my God, is this real? And that is when pro wrestling is at its best, when you can't really tell. So I like that aspect of it. Um, but personally, I mean, it, it was pretty clear that what they were doing with Reigns was trying to make Brock the bad guy, kind of like 2004 at WrestleMania. Uh, Justin, did you did you question the legitimacy of that as you were watching? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't buy it as... Reigns was, you know, because he kept talking about how, like, you know, the guys in the back aren't going to be happy about this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I, I don't believe any of that. I, I think that is, I don't know if the plan for the entire night was for Lesnar not to show up, but at, certainly at some point they decided that was the direction they were going to go. And I think it was a thousand times more effective than if they would have had some weird back and forth between Heyman and Reigns or or whatever. I, I, I thought it was really effective. And it really drew a line in the sand for fans where, you know, either you're going to be rooting for this guy who shows up day in and day out who a lot of people have hated or else you're going to have to cheer for, you know, a part-timer who very well will be leaving for the UFC uh, after WrestleMania. Yeah, Kyle, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, kind of piggybacking on what Justin just said. Whenever somebody says they're not going to like what I'm about to say in the back, that's code word for this is completely approved by those in the back. So, <laughs> I, I mean, there there was a shred. I mean, I was caught off guard when he said Lesnar's not here. I'm like, oh, that's odd. They were promoting him as being here like up until 10 minutes ago. OK, this is a little different, but it really was smart the way they did it. Um, again, piggybacking off what Justin said, the promo itself was far more effective in accomplishing the goal that they want to accomplish, which is making Roman Reigns somewhat of a babyface, I guess, at least at WrestleMania. He's never going to be a universal babyface, but at least more, you know, just basically making sure he's not booed out of the building, I guess, might be the goal. Um, that What he said was a lot more effective than had they just done a standard back and forth between him and Paul Heyman. And it's really odd. Meltzer talked about this. I, I can't remember if he talked about this in an update or in the Observer, but what an interesting kind of thing it is with the fans, how they, you know, there is a swath of the fan base that really resents the fact that Brock Lesnar is a part-timer. And it, not just him, just the idea of part-timers. You, you hear about it all the time. Oh, why are there so many part-timers on WrestleMania? And I'm not someone who gets upset about part-timers personally, but if you can take that and manipulate your audience 
and get people who normally would not cheer for Roman Reigns to cheer him, then that's a huge success. Now, it was just one week. Rumor Reports were that he still got booed, he being Reigns, during the dark match. But we shall see. I think it's the... Given what WWE wants to accomplish, this is the best way to do it. I'm looking back at uh, Monday night. So Justin and Kyle and myself, we've got a like an ongoing group text, like I'm sure a lot of you guys listening to. And I'm about an hour behind. I'm watching the show on DVR. And all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. And Justin, Roman, mother effing reigns. And then Kyle's like, I was just about to text that. Justin's like, that was sensational. Like, what do I have to look forward to right now? So, <laughs> Justin, you had written, battle lines have been drawn. Either you support part-timers who don't give a F about WWE or you support Reigns. Exactly, right? I mean, this is this was really good booking. I, I agree with what uh, Kyle was saying there because you, it almost like backs the fans, the real wrestling fans, it kind of backs them into supporting Reigns. And... Uh, yeah, like with WrestleMania 20 when Brock was on his way out um, and Goldberg was on his way out. That match was a disaster. But uh, I think they want that kind of reaction for Brock, obviously. And now with Brock, you know, he was photographed with Dana White in Las Vegas. There's the rumors about him going back to UFC. I think it's pretty easy to make him into the outsider. And uh, the reports this week said that at one point he was written to be in the show. And then they like rewrote the show shortly before Ross started. So, yeah, I think they made a good move. I, th- I thought it was great. Just for the record, I, I'm not against part-time, part-timers either. Uh, my spite comes more from just being over this uh, Brock Lesnar uh, reign. Not even like just this title reign, but just him in general. I, I, I'm okay if he would just kind of go away for a while. Oh, yeah, I, I would be too. And I think there probably was a shred of truth when Roman was sort of, you know, taking upon himself to be the voice of the locker room. I think there's a lot of people that are sort of sick of Brock Lesnar. You can argue that his title reign has really hurt the creative of Raw because, you know, somebody we're going to talk about a lot, I guess, in the next half hour, Braun Strowman, you know, he was really stunted by the fact that, okay, Brock's the champ, Roman's the guy they want to put over, but Braun's really getting over. And his upward mobility is kind of hindered by the pecking order because you have the part-time champion and the heir apparent. And, well, he's just, you know, sitting third from the top. Yeah, if if Brock Lesnar never wrestled another match for WWE, I would not shed a tear, to be completely honest with you. I'm ready for the entire Brock Lesnar era to be over. I feel like this guy is just so boring. At this point, he wrestles the same match. Like, the German suplex stuff is the worst thing to ever happen to him. He wrestles the same match every time out. We know he's capable of more than that, but he's kind of fallen into this, like, lazy match routine. He's only around a few times, you know, every couple months. And I agree with what Kyle said. It it has stunted Braun because, by any logic, Braun Strowman would have been world champion at some point in the last six months if, if Brock Lesnar wasn't their champion. I mean, Roman Braun any other year is a title program. Yeah, no doubt. So, But I'll say this. Braun, to your point, he kind of had a bit of a renaissance in 2017. Ironically, the Strowman match was the one bad one that he had. But the SummerSlam main event was good the four-way. The match with AJ was good. And, yeah, you can talk about 
all right, AJ can have a good match with everybody, everybody except Kevin Owens, apparently. <laughs> the four, and then the four-way, you know, had a lot of, you know, uh, bells and whistles. But, you know, he's had a good run. It's just, you know, when you look back, he's been around now for six years, right? He came back in 2012. Do I have that? Yeah. you get, So this reign has actually been three times as long as his initial run. That's a long run when you think about it. And it, I don't think, you know, eh, I just want Brock to leave is any kind of indictment on the work he's done over the last six years. I just think it's, hey, it's been six years. He's done it all. It's time to move on. That that used to just be a regular thing in wrestling. Like, you know, you'd be around for six years. You'd work babyface. You'd work heel. You worked everybody in the company. And you just go because there's nothing left to do. It just seems like in that six years, there hasn't really been like any twists and turns with his character. You know what I mean? Like it's been exactly the same. That's why it's so stale in my opinion. No, no, you're right. I mean, once the suplex city thing got over, he absolutely started coasting and he had a terrible 2016. I thought realistically, this match with rain should have happened two years ago in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at that WrestleMania where reigns beat triple H that really didn't do anything for reigns and Brock, you know, beating Dean Ambrose, that that whole program was a disaster and, and set Dean back a long time. It was actually a net negative when you look at it. I mean, it certainly didn't get Brock over anymore uh, than he already was. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he has coasted. He's not that compelling for me, um, but it's been a good run that just, I think, needs to end. And I, I hope he doesn't pull some Hogan-type shit and, like, hold the promotion up for money to do one last job. Because that'd be a shame. Is that what he's doing with the UFC stuff? Do you think he's posturing for a new WWE contract? Do you think there's any chance he's actually going back to the UFC? What's the deal that... Yes, I do think that there's a good chance he goes back to the UFC. Uh, He he wants to. Uh, I think he would if it wasn't for the suspension stuff and the fact that he got such a cozy deal, obviously, from WWE. Mm -hmm. But um, what's the deal where he's technically under contract till August... Like uh, with, with WWE? Reporting, yeah, Meltzer's reporting that, that the contract technically runs through August. But hmm. I don't think he has to work past Mania or something like that. There's like There was some sort of freeze because of that time where they let him go work UFC. So that's in, So I don't know um, You know if, if how many contracted dates he has left. Um, but yeah, he, he's posturing right now. It's the same thing like he did before uh, Mania 31. Yeah, so he... If that is the case, then I wonder if he could work that into the time he has to sit out, you know, to return. Was it six months? He's got to be back in the testing pool before he can fight again. Yes. So he could like announce he's going back to UFC in in April and then return in October potentially, like shortly after the WWE deal ends. I don't know. I guess they could work that in his favor, but uh, I don't. Know. He just, he is getting. He's getting pretty old to fight in UFC. I think he he could definitely still beat a lot of guys, but I don't think he would get a title shot or anything like that if he goes back to UFC. Uh, UFC's got an issue. They don't have a lot of stars anymore. They're certainly, in terms of star power, way down from their high point. Oh, yeah. I haven't been... I actually have not been interested. I used to like UFC. I have not followed it in years. I'm just not interested anymore. I would concur with that. I, I certainly have my interest levels fallen way, way, way down compared to where it used to be. When, when, ironically, during the time when Brock was there, 
Yeah. Justin, were you ever a UFC fan? No, not really. If I had friends that were getting together for a show, I I have no problem sitting down and watching it, but it's no nothing I pay attention to. I prefer I, my fights to be choreographed. <laughs> Ironically, the last UFC pay-per-view I ordered was the last Rousey fight a little over a year ago, and that was a waste of money. So, yeah, that that's the last time I really really got into UFC. So, um, speaking, of- speaking of Ronda Rousey, uh, what did what you guys think of her going from Sunday night at Elimination Chamber, where it was a little shaky, I would say, um, to Monday, which I thought was much better? Would you guys concur, or what did you guys think of her performance on uh, Elimination Chamber into Raw? Kyle, I, or go ahead, oh, Justin, whoever. I I was just gonna say her. She's got a ways to go on the mic, especially on Sunday. But, uh, I mean, really all they need to do is just basically treat her like Brock Lesnar. I mean, she just needs to be an ass whooper. And uh, she's got those kind of facial expressions down in the uh, the spot with slamming Triple H to the table was great. And, I, you know, I'd continue down the uh, silent ass whooper path. I think people forget how hard it is to do a pro wrestling promo especially if you're not used to doing it mm-hmm. you know the people like oh she's not that good at it it's like well okay she obviously has a ton of charisma that's how she got over in the ufc that's why the WWE's interested in bringing her in but she was nervous and i wonder if it had to do with the fact that they it was in her mind the collective minds of wwe that, okay, there could be a backlash against you by the live crowd. And they were like, yeah, don't mind the live crowd. Do what you do. And I wonder if she got tripped up by that. But it was her first time doing it. So I didn't, I wasn't someone who was going to like, you know, crucify her for cutting a bad promo her first night. And if you look at celebrities, even the great celebrities who have been involved with WWE through the years, I mean, you had your boy, Donald Trump, calling <laughs> Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lindsay. His first time out. That show still set a record on pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence Taylor had to have his lawyer cut his first promo, for God's sake, uh, after the Bam Bam Bigelow angle. And, you know, Mr. T just mumbled a bunch of unintelligible stuff while doing fist bumps with Hogan. So can, it's I, not like- can I just throw in a Michael Buffer referring to Brett the Hitman Clark while we're at it? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that too. Yeah. I mean, people, it's like, yes, these people are accomplished uh, you know, in their own fields, but she's never, I mean, yes, a lot of her UFC stuff and why she was, 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 people called it, you know, they were pro wrestling style promos, but it's different when you're out there, man, live. And, uh, it wasn't, the promo wasn't good, but they got him back with the angle. Like Justin said, as soon as she put triple H to the table, they had him. And then, uh, you know, it's funny that they ended Monday with a sucker punch because triple H that whole time, he seemed, he seemed very like absent emotionally. From the segment, I was like looking at him behind Stephanie while Stephanie was talking. I'm like, is he fantasy booking NXT right now? Like, what is he doing? It doesn't even look like he's like present in the situation. So uh, I was not expecting that sucker punch. That was good. And yeah, it's uh, I think we now know our answer who Rousey's partner is going to be. And um, it's a good idea for WWE. Again, I mean, uh, front page ESPN.com. Big deal. Uh, Ramona Shelburne, by the way, your girl. That slap was real from Stephanie. 
She has welts on her face. I cannot believe. I mean, I was just laughing. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The who, people who don't know Ramona Shelburne, she's on ESPN a lot. She's like one of their um, typical like on-site reporters, and she always she kind of got the job of following Ronda late in her UFC career. And she sends out a tweet for those asking. That slap was real. Ronda had welts on her face. I'm laughing like the World Wrestling Federation has done it again. My hat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the drawback when you get the mainstream sports outlets covering pro wrestling. Yeah, it's, great. <laughs> it's great from the WWE's perspective to have that. You have someone from ESPN going, "That slap was real." Yeah, you know, it's, oh, you know. Yeah, I thought yeah the the delivery on the promo uh, was obviously shaky, like you said. I thought her facial reactions were outstanding, though. That's where you see yeah. like her acting ability come in, and uh, like just the glare she was giving Stephanie, just that was awesome stuff. Um, I do think you're onto something with her being thrown off by the live crowd because it did seem like the crowd in Vegas was kind of anti-Rousey, if I remember right. Um, and then like halfway through, it sounded like all of a sudden the crowd was behind her. And visibly, you could see like a group of people in the front row that were really cheering her on. I don't know if that's like the crew she brought. I assume uh, it is. Yeah. Uh, there was yeah, that was the UFC fighter section of it, and they were mic'd strangely well. Yeah, by the way. it seemed like they changed the way the crowd was mic'd during the segment because then all of a sudden Ronda was getting like a really good reaction. Um, but yeah, I think that probably did throw her off quite a bit. But uh, yeah, it is a big Ang- deal. Go ahead. What do we heard Angle as the partner? I was going to go into that next. I think it's kind of a letdown personally. I don't know what you guys think. I, after TLC and Survivor Series, I, I'm just at that point where I guess he's at that age where I am more worried about him when he's wrestling than I am enjoying the actual match. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when you think he's probably going to have to carry most of the match. We talked about that last week that in Rousey's first WWE match, I don't think she's going to get the majority of the time in the ring. So you're going to be talking, and then we talked about how like Stephanie isn't going to be able to work that much credibly. She's going to have to do some heel, you know, attack, run type stuff. And so you're going to have trips and angle in there most of the match. And, you know, I mean, obviously it's been a long time, but they work together a lot back in the day. So they should know each other. You know what sucks, though, if you're WWE, is that you had to call angle into action early. Because remember, that was not the plan. Yeah. That was like a... That was Roman Reigns was out with the what was it like the measles or the mumps or something like that. And they're like, oh, shit, our pay-per-view main event just went out the window. And they had to hot shot Kurt Angle's return with no TV hype. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's notice. So if Kurt had not never wrestled since his return, he was coming back. This would. I guess it would be a slightly bigger deal, but the bottom line is it's Rousey and that's the attraction. You know, I think her partner is kind of. You know, it helps if it's someone credible like Kurt Angle. Um, and if they do ESPN media, him being a former Olympic gold medalist, that's a good, like, ESPN will like that. It's something they'll talk about in interviews. Um, it'll make WWE seem more credible. But the reality is Kurt is probably in the role that Paul Orndorff was in WrestleMania 1, where it's like, all right, he's a really over guy, and that helps the match. But he's like the fourth wheel. Yeah, He's the least... He's probably the least important component of a match. But the plan was to do Triple H angle originally for WrestleMania. And so, you know, you, they left things open-ended at Survivor Series, and it, it kind of works, I think. 
I think it's just a letdown because I was really hoping they could get Rock. We talked about that last week, yeah, and uh, you, you know that's the that's the story they built going back to thirty one. Yeah, and well, and the thing is, it's interesting, and maybe we can pivot to this next. They probably can't commit to Braun in that spot, and Braun was the other name I seen thrown out for mm-hmm. Rousey's tag partner. I don't know how much sense that would have made given his character, but you know, obviously with you know, kind of the question mark surrounding Reigns with this steroid implication, this alleged steroid implication, you know, they've kind of got to have Braun in this reserve role right now as far as WrestleMania goes. And so they can't commit to him in a big match like that. Right. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, um, supposedly WWE is kind of planning like a five-way match for the Intercontinental title. Uh, If you've been watching Raw the last couple weeks, it's been pretty clear like a triple threat was on the way with The Miz and uh, Balor and Rollins. We saw this past week uh, Miz forced to wrestle Rollins and Balor on the same night. Um, But supposedly the word is uh, Strowman and Elias could be thrown into that match. It could be a five-way but as Kyle alluded to, the word is Braun Strowman is kind of being kept on ice in case they need him to fill in for Roman Reigns. So, Kyle, I don't know if you want to tell the story. Maybe you're more from. I mean, I know what's going on, but maybe you know the inner workings a little better. Basically, Roman Reigns was accused of getting steroids from like a Miami steroid dealer who's now in jail, correct? Yes. And hey. there's a movie producer involved as well. Yes, and so apparently there's this evidence that's going to be rolled out, although they keep saying it's going to be rolled out, and then it's, like, delayed. So who knows what this is going to be, but obviously, given everything WWE is going on with the TV negotiations, they don't want any kind of controversy, and if this is something serious with Roman Reigns, and he's already put his neck out and said he doesn't even know who uh, Richard Rodriguez is. Mm-hmm. So if he's proven to be a liar, that's bad, um, and they would... I guess, pull him from the main event and put Braun in there. That's why, because it was very odd. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it when they had Braun get his heat back after the elimination chamber on Sunday and just kind of kick Reigns ass. I'm like, well, that was odd. Right. Like I was like, are they going to build to a? Are they going to do another singles match on raw? So I, I think that's kind of what they have as far as the five way. I don't buy that. I think if as long as everything's cool with Reigns, I think they're putting Braun in the Andre. Well, that was the other report out was that the Andre might be canceled, which seems yeah, that, that seems probably. no way. I mean, they got the Andre documentary coming out on HBO in April. How could they not do the Andre Battle Royal? Yeah, that was from Brian Alvarez, who's I, I'm not sure if he's well, last time he watched Monday Night Raw. To be quite honest, given <laughs> it's, uh... yeah, I, I got to jump in real quick and just uh, totally agree with uh, Kyle that I, I would I really hope it's just a triple threat with Miz, Finn, and uh, Seth. And get Braun to the Andre. I, I think uh, that would be way more impactful for him than just being in a, you know, kind of a clusterfuck of a five-way match. And we got to stop with these five-way and six-way match. I know there's going to be some at WrestleMania, but Jesus Christ. Yeah, we they're don't need- going crazy with that lately. And here's the thing, too. Justin and Ryan, and we all texted about this Sunday night. Braun is kind of like the, it's interesting too. You know, we talk about Andre the Giant, the documentary coming up. Undertaker's probably going to officially hang it up, we think, after this WrestleMania. Bra- uh, Brock is leaving the company. Braun is the guy who now fills that special attraction void 
the company's always had. And what's key with that is, you know, like The Undertaker, Braun's not a guy you put in the Intercontinental title picture. No. And, and to, like what Justin said, it'd be a waste of him just to be in an IC title match where he's not going to win. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if you want to make that Andre Battle Royal worth a damn, you got to put some over guys in it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it'd be fun to watch Braun, like, throw everybody out. That's what people want to see. Yeah, I mean, I had assumed that this Andre Battle Royal is going to get way more attention than ever because of that documentary. I think it airs, like, right around Mania time on HBO. Maybe just, like, a couple days later. A so, week. Yeah, after. I think it's the Thursday. After. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, it's, like, in the next week. So, like, <laughs> how could they not do an Andre Battle Royal? That just defies all logic. Um, yeah, I agree. Braun would be the logical choice to win with all the attention on the match and just how he could perform. Plus, uh, you, you look at Miz and Balor and Rollins, who could have just a world beater of a match and a triple threat. And if you clog that up as a five-way, yeah, I'm, I'm not really into that either. So, what yeah. did we think? What did we think about how they built that triple threat on Monday? And by having Rollins beat Miz, and then Balor just sort of kind of came out and like picked up the scraps. I know they tried to put some heat on him by having the Miz Taraj beat him down, but then him doing the same thing. To me, they should have had the they should have saved Balor for next week rather than have Miz wrestle and lose twice in a row. Yeah. I think it would have been just in terms of stretching the story, letting it breathe. This is just me personally picking nits. Well, I, I, I would have saved it for a two week thing. They, they the way they did it, uh, they made Finn come off kind of heelish with the way yes. they uh we're talking about Seth looking at Finn kind of like Finn was trying to take his thunder and whatnot. I exactly. Actually, when I watched that, all I could think of was last week's show, episode 46, when uh, Justin, we were talking about Balor and how he could go heel and be a better character and everything. And Justin said, you know, he always comes out with that shit eating grin on his face. And when he came out on Monday night to wrestle, he came out and he got up on the on the apron. And he had that big smile on his face while like there's Miz in the background who just had like a long match with Seth Rollins. You know, it's kind of I I could not help but think of that comment you made last week. It was total total heel stuff. Like, all right, now I get to wrestle the guy who's all beaten down, big smile on his face. Yeah, that was that was definitely heel stuff. I thought. It, yeah, it was really tough to cheer for Ballard. I think they knew it because that's why they threw the heat segment in with the Miz Taraj beating him down. I think they're like. Oh God, like, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like tantamount to the money in the bank cash in, you know, where a guy, you know, waits till the guy gets his ass beat, comes out with the briefcase and beats him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of a similar methodology there. So yeah. it was interesting. I, I don't know what they're doing with Balor. Um, personally, I would have him be the Intercontinental Champion coming out of Mania. I said that last week. He's a guy who really, really needs a title, I think, just to remain over right now. I agree. He needs it more than Rollins does. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And plus, I think Rollins is probably going to be transitioned when Reigns wins the title into a feud with Reigns pretty quickly, don't you think? I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Because they've kind of been building Rollins back up as, as a championship contender. Um, but speaking of building someone up, I did want to hit on when we were talking about the Elimination Chamber, how it was kind of ironic how even though Reigns got the victory there's no doubt that Braun Strowman was the guy put over the most in that match despite not winning would you guys agree 
I mean, he was made oh, yeah. to look out like the star. Yep, which that's that's what kind of made the ending weird to me. It's like WWE just can't help themselves with Reigns, like fucking with the fans and whatnot. It's, you know, they have Braun just beat the crap out of everybody. And if they would have just had like Reigns and Rollins take Braun down, I you know, maybe save a little bit more face with Reigns with the crowd, but having uh rain just end up getting the victory on him was kind of yeah. weird but no, i'll tell outside, you what they should have done exactly actually they, now that you said that not to interrupt you but there was the spot where like every guy in the match covered braun and he kicked out that should have been where braun got pinned right there that that would have ultimately saved him face like you know all those other dudes covering him and pinning him did you guys notice that i yeah i noticed that spot and i did think there was a chance he was getting eliminated there it's the psychology of how braun was booked is interesting in that match. First of all, I think I'm like a lot of people and I saw it coming. Once Braun eliminated like the first two guys, you're like, oh my goodness, he's going to do, he's going to eliminate everybody except Roman and then Roman's going to beat him. Mm -hmm. And in their mind, that makes their, meaning WWE, that makes Roman look awesome. But it was really funny because a lot of people in my timeline were like, okay, this is how it's going to go. Braun's going to eliminate everyone but Roman. Roman's, people were calling that. But there were a lot of people on my timeline, Brian Alvarez, chief among them, who were like so I upset about the finish of that match. Like, like it act, and it's funny when you see that because I guess doing that, it didn't really get Reigns over in anybody's eyes. It just kind of pissed some people off who thought they really were going with Braun in that match. Now I think those people are kind of dumb and they're out to lunch <laughs> for thinking that, but. You know, I guess that's what it did. There, there were a lot of people. I mean, I don't know about your guys' timeline. I like to curate mine a little bit better make, and try not to have people who are out to lunch on it. But there were people. I saw retweets of people who were like, I can't believe they did do that. Why didn't Braun win? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, but um, I mean, it, they really did. And it was funny. So the psychology of it backfired. They actually made people want to see Braun win. And when he didn't, kind of no one was happy. I. I thought that chamber match was a bit of a disappointment overall. And I don't know if it was any particular one thing's fault. It just didn't seem, I don't know. I had high hopes for it, especially coming off that gauntlet match. And it was just kind of okay. Mm -hmm. I thought, speaking out to lunch, what's Meltzer doing? Saying the men's chamber was better than the women's. I was just going to say that I was actually going to bring up a star rating. I think he gave the women's like three and a quarter and the men's three and three, three quarters. Yeah, I mean, I would flip that totally. I yeah. mean, I guess half star doesn't say, you know, you'd be like, well, think about it. You know, reading is your friend. Half star isn't that big of a deal. Fine, Dave, that's okay. <laughs> I just think that, you know, I just think that I don't, I, I, I can't see how you think the men's chamber match is better than the women's no, chamber. No, I, I can't. I was thinking that as you were talking about it, is I really enjoyed watching the women's match a lot more than the men's match, personally. What do you think, Justin? I'll tell you what, the, I, I definitely enjoyed the women's elimination chamber match better um but even more than that was i you know i was starting to get a little irritated at the end because i i there was a, a moment there was probably at least five to ten seconds where i was like what the fuck are they doing having alexa bliss break character like this with the crying and it, i caught on eventually before before the twist but that was good she she is amazing yeah that was excellent I, yeah, I really like that too. It was it was a good way to open the show for sure. And uh, overall, I would have gave that pay per view uh, a thumbs up. But I did think I agree with Kyle. The men's was a little disappointing, but I did like how 
even though Braun lost, they did put him over strong, and uh, he kind of ended the show, you know, on his feet and got the beat down in on Roman. But yeah, I probably would have had Braun not eliminated just solely by Roman Reigns, but definitely that spot where all the other dudes covered him. I think that would have been that that would been the best way to, for him to save face. I think so. Uh, either way, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, supposedly, like we said, Braun is being kind of kept there just in case with the steroid stuff. I'm not sure anything's actually going to come of that. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, do you guys think... Well, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead. I wanted to talk about the Raw women more because that's a kind of interesting scenario for WrestleMania, how we don't really know... We think we know, but we aren't exactly sure what the Raw Women's title program is going to be. They're still kind of trying to trick you into thinking it's going to be Asuka and Alexa, but I think it's pretty clear that's not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was, they would just have made the match by now. Uh, they're, I guess they're waiting for Fastlane uh, yeah. to be done with for Asuka to officially challenge Charlotte. So what do we think the women's title match? Is it just going to be Alexa versus Nia Jax? Obviously, I mean, you talk about Braun being kept strong in the men's chamber. They really went out of their way to make Nia Jax look strong, both at the Chamber pay-per-view and then Raw the next night. So it's clear she's going to be in the match. My only question is, do they do her and Alexa as a one-on-one title match, and then Bailey and Sasha as a one-on-one match well, or do they combine that whole thing into a four-way for time constraints? I, I like the idea of just Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. I mean, it's like a... Uh, David and Goliath only if David had a fantastic resting bitch face and Goliath was <laughs> actually pretty hot. Um, that, that, that's more interesting to me, especially with, you know, there was a, a long time friendship there that they've had uh, on raw that they could do something interesting with. And the Bailey and Sasha thing, I don't, you know, that I don't think that needs to be resolved at WrestleMania. That oh, could no. even, that could certainly be something that could just be put in on like a woman's uh, battle royal to get all the ladies on the card. I I would just love to see both women's championships be a one-on-one match. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're probably going to do three singles matches, but I I don't know. I could go either way on that. I feel like Bailey and Sasha just because they've had such great matches in the past, they're going to have to do a singles match out of that. Uh, I, I do think Nia and, and Alexa is going to be the match and Asuka and Charlotte. It, it is kind of confusing watching it because it, they seem to like kind of lean towards, oh, it's definitely going to be Alexa and Asuka, but without officially announcing it. So I agree with Kyle that they're, they're just kind of waiting for Fastlane to get over. It's interesting. If they do the two singles matches, that's kind of the same storyline, though, where it's going to be former friends facing off. And... You know, the issue with Mania is, even though it's like a six-hour show, there's only so many matches, and man, having three sing- – look, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm not against it, but like, it seems like having three sing- singles women's matches is a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of them is going to probably – you know, I mean, they're not going to put a title match on the pre-show. Yeah, No, if, if they if they go that route, I, I guarantee Bailey and Sasha is on the pre-show, and at, at that point, don't even have a singles match. Yeah, it's a, that, that's why I'm saying I'm wondering if they do, and, and I'm not saying that I'm in favor of this. I'm just saying I wonder if, although they are getting rid of the brand-only pay-per-views, um, so it's not like the pay-per-views moving forward are going to have a ton of room to breathe for the mid-card, 
But I, I wonder if they're just going to have, all right, well, we've got two sets of former friends in this one match for the title in the interest of time. I can see it happening. I would not rule that out. It is kind of weird that you were finally going to get this Sasha Bailey match on the on the main roster with like the split happening, and it's not going to be the title match. When you look at it, you know you you would think go back a couple of years, this is definitely going to be like a, a WrestleMania women's title match, and now we're debating if it's even going to be on the show. And by the way, I've liked how they've done it. Oh I've yeah, I, I loved how Sasha turned on Bailey. You know, Corey Graves, I liked how he kind of planted the seeds in commentary. It's what a good commentator should do. Uh, Sasha term. And I loved the tag spot uh, on Raw where Bailey dropped off the apron and didn't want to tag Sasha. You know, whether she's going, whether she's going to be the baby face or heel uh, once the split happens, at least it makes her not look like an idiot for yeah. doing that. You know, And Meltzer's like, oh, no one reacted to that. What Raw was he watching? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bailey has to be the heel coming out of this. Has to. That's has to. Ooh, disagree. Absolutely has to. And let me let me explain why. Because and we we talked about this a lot in the past. The the Sasha Banks character is a heel character. Yes, she does her best work as a heel character. But Sasha Banks is over regardless. If she's a heel or a face, she's over with the crowd. That's Bailey true. is dead on the main roster. I'm sorry. Like the the character doesn't work like it did in NXT. And we can say that for an abundance of characters. The only way you make Bailey fresh and interesting is to turn her heel and just give her a complete makeover. That's why I think she has to be the heel. She has to be the ultimate swerve where this this uh you know, cookie cutter baby face character finally goes heel because either way, Sasha's over, but if Sasha turns heel, Bailey's still in the same spot. That's that. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. There's that's a compelling argument. Uh, I'm not gonna. It can go either way. I think, but no, you you make a compelling argument that you're right. That the whole Sasha is gonna be the one over regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something to be said there because here's the thing. Okay, if they do the split and Sasha's the heel, Sasha's gonna win the first match. The heel, you know, wrestling psychology 101 says. After the heel wins the first match, and that's just going to hurt Bailey more in that scenario, and you've got to wonder her momentum then in that situation if she's the baby face, you know, getting beaten initially. Yeah, I I just think uh, I think a swerve where she turns and then you know she comes out and gives like this great, hopefully great heel promo for the first time would just be an awesome moment. I think really spur some interest in this Bailey character that is just not connected on the main roster at all. I don't think Justin, not on board. I, I think it's an interesting argument, but for one, I don't think WWE has the balls to do something that, uh, creatively risk risky move. Um, but I, I, I would certainly be into it. Mm-hmm. Like you think I they'd mean, be worried that they're going to ruin the Bailey character forever if it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think what makes Bailey, uh, I think what sells merchandise and makes people even somewhat interested in her character is the hugs, the colors, the the balloon blow up things. Oh god! Um, and, that, and that, that merch that is all... so bad. Oh, her merch is just oh god, it's terrible. Yeah. It's not being marked to you, to be fair. <laughs> I don't know, man. Have you seen some of the dudes wearing the <laughs> Bailey shirts? 
That's it's a little, it's a little creepy. I'm sure bad. you'll see them down in New Orleans, and maybe if you get a few beers in, you, you can have a have a conversation with those guys. Yeah, just I'm, don't go alone. I'm going to warn you right now, Kyle. I'm going to warn you right now, Kyle. I'm a hugger. <laughs> oh no! Uh. Ryan Ryan said something earlier that I kind of agree with. This sort of golden goose of Bailey, and oh yeah, she's you know we saw what she did in NXT, and we can repeat that on the main roster. I don't know. If, are, are we sure about that? No, I, I don't. Think, I don't think possible. so. I just don't think that character. You know, that Jim Cor. I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes. Jim Cornette used to have a quote, or uh, used to have a quote. He just said it a long time ago. Uh, you know, if it works in front of two thousand people, it's going to work in front of twenty thousand people. I don't know if that applies to modern wrestling anymore. Yeah. I think the the thing with Bailey with NXT is just that you got the same fans like over and over and over and they felt really connected to her because they saw her like every couple weeks and you have, you know the whole story with the, the little girl Izzy or whatever her name is always in the front row. I think they just it's just the intimacy of that crowd and I always said I I said this when we started doing the show that I I didn't think that the character was going to work on the main roster and it hasn't definitely hasn't. So I agree with you Kyle. To be fair, it's an underdog character. And now Vince McMahon does not have a good track record booking underdog baby faces. But at the same time, it was a weird conundrum they faced when they brought her to the main roster. Because I heard, you know, didn't we say this last week? You know, there's some people who say, well, just repeat everything you did with her in NXT. Just, you know, start from scratch and do the same damn thing on the main roster. Well, that's being intellectually dishonest to the people who watch NXT. You can't really do that. And then at the same time, so, you know, her not succeeding right away and, like, not being this dom like, she wouldn't work as a dominant babyface champion. There were some people who I think were expecting, okay, you know, all right, build the freaking division around her. She's, you know, that's not her character, really. I mean, her losing and kind of having this self-doubt, I think, is what her character is. I just don't know if that ceiling is there on the main roster that we saw in NXT, I just don't know if it's there. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. I think and it's, it's not a knock on, on her. I think she's a, as a no. good performer. It's just the character. And I think she could do so much more. She just needs just a rejuvenation. I feel bad for her. Actually, if you read her on Twitter, it seems like she's like legitimately suffering from a professional crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think she's, I think she's upset. I mean, am I wrong? Am I like, no, I see that too. Things like it almost seems like she's like really down and and doesn't know what to do. Like I forgot somebody was like, Oh, uh, what's his face? Um, not Johnny, Joey Mercury was like, you know, I'm setting up a coaching thing. Uh, you know, come here or whatever. And he gave the date and Bay was like, will you coach me? I'm like, Oh Jesus, like tighten up. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I did not see that, but yeah, yeah, yikes. Um, I had a couple other topics I wanted to hit. God, we're getting low on time. It's been a good conversation. Um, I did. We we talked about Undertaker a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um, so it looks like, according it's to people, it's still the plan, right? It's gonna be him, unless if he's like physically can't do it, and I would imagine that that would be known at this point if he yeah. physically go that's what they're gonna this whole ray mysterio thing i that was a planted story to throw people off the scent they would they i shouldn't say they would never 
I'll amend that by saying, if you're WWE, you can't dangle the carrot of Cena Undertaker. Have the crowd react like that. Yeah, that's what not me and Justin were talking about it. I said, there's no way that they could hear that crowd reaction and not do it. No, like, I mean, why would he even mention it? it? It's funny that Justin, and I'll throw it back to him for a retort, that he's really wants to see Taker live. Me, personally, I don't really care about the Cena-Taker match at all, but it sure seems like a lot of people do, and my God, fourth from the top. I mean, what a, you know. And if you if you maybe throw a retirement stip in there, whew, we got a strong top of the card for WrestleMania 34, boys. Yeah, you know, for me, it's, as I touched on earlier, it's just about seeing Undertaker at WrestleMania, being a longtime fan, seeing that entrance, being able to say I saw Undertaker at WrestleMania. Both of you guys, you know, are, are able to say that. Um, I don't, you know, it probably won't be a great match, but it's just something as a longtime fan I, I, I desperately want to say. And, you know, and if if I had to choose between seeing Taker, Daniel Bryan, or The Rock at WrestleMania, I, I'm going to choose Taker just because that's, uh, I, I want to, have that experience as a fan. Have you seen, have you seen Taker live before, Justin? I know you've, you've gone to several live events, especially in the nineties. If I if I did, it didn't stand out in any way, shape, or form. Okay. I mean, if you went to a Monday Night Raw and then in like the Attitude Era, I mean, I guess, well, I guess he did take some. He had, he, he missed some time. Well, that, that, that the whole biker taker stuff too, man. You can't even count that. I hate and see, that and, stuff. And, and that that's when I would have seen him was during the biker taker stuff. And I definitely never went to a raw. It would have been a house show. I've never seen Undertaker at a at a pay per view or raw. I know. Didn't you go to like some uh, wrestling challenge tapings or superstars or something like back in the early nineties? I think you were telling me about no. That time. I went to a a WWF house show in Cedar Rapids where. The main event was uh, Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter, and there was also a Savage match in there, but I can't remember who he wrestled. But uh, that was a good time. I, Heart Foundation, Demolition, some you know Rockers. It's all a lot of good stuff there. But yeah, and I when Cena challenged Undertaker, my my wife was in the room with me. I, I like jumped up and was doing fist pumps, and then when he retracted acted it I, I just slumped in my chair and all i've been doing is just scouring twitter for any kind of information regarding <laughs> what this match is going to be just we talk well yeah we talk about this like a couple times a day it seems like <laughs> i really hope it happens man it's, it's got to happen we're going to the show it'll be a good it'll be a good moment for you for I sure i just don't know what else they would do with john cena if that's not the match yeah well you know i was actually i was telling ryan early i think i don't know if it was today or yesterday but like when this rumors came out with Mysterio that is such an uninspired fill-in match if if, if the taker thing is not actually going to happen like I was telling Ryan's like why wouldn't you go with Braun and Cena that, that's far more interesting than Mysterio yeah. I don't even I just, see how they build it to be honest yeah, with you I gonna say, I, that dynamic is weird because you got two career baby faces who really have no you know, I don't know what the story is between them. Like, what you even do? Like, I mean, you, you don't want to. I mean, the, the ship has sailed on turning John Cena heel. Yeah. And 
you, you just Ray Mysterio. I mean, yes, okay, I know there was a you have people listening or filthy animals for like three months. That's fine. He should never be a heel. Yeah. Like after, Ray Mysterio should never. Ray Mysterio is the modern Ricky Steamboat. Never, never should be a heel. I think they, I think the story would have to be something. You know, you guys remember uh, the story with uh, Ric Flair and. Randy Savage going into WrestleMania eight, I believe, where like they had the fake photos with uh, the, like the to- the towels with the mm-hmm. RF or the RS on it. It's like I think you need you would have to do something where Ray gets invited to John Cena's house for a dinner party, oh, and <laughs> and, he, and he finds like a like a a MAGA hat somewhere in the house and takes a picture of it. Oh, sorry, man. I had. To. <laughs> I, I could see where this was going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it would be awkward. I, I think they have to do it. I don't even know why they would mention in the promo if they're not going to do Cena Taker. And Kyle, you mentioned fourth from the top. Uh, is there? I mean, I don't. I don't think we should discount the fact that that match could go on last. I mean, uh, last uh, year Taker's uh, match went on last because it was Al. like his retirement deal. But I, I, as, as Kyle said earlier, they'd have to promote it as a retirement match. Yeah. That's true. I mean, they may not need to. I don't know. I mean, Undertaker, make no mistake about it, went on last last year because he was putting over Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. And there also wasn't a better option to go on last, I don't think, on that show. Well, and just the way he left with everything in the ring, like that had to go on last. Just the way it, the whole thing was presented. Yes, yes. So. Tell you one thing, like I, I'm feeling lucky, kind of blessed that this is going to be my WrestleMania because the way it's shaping up is is they they're going to have like four matches that could easily go on last. And I, and I'm, I'm, I mean, one of those is the Ronda Rousey match. Yeah. Yeah. Just star power alone in that one. Yep. Yeah. I will say that last year when uh taker reigns went on last, I was not yet on the Roman reigns bandwagon. You guys were still hyping him up. I, I was not there yet. And I was kind of pissed when it happened. Like, why would this match be last? But then when the way it was presented at the end, I was, you know, had a, epiphany like oh that's why it was on last there's no way it couldn't go on last yeah it was a total passing the torch match and again if you look the other matches that were promoted at the top of that show uh you had brock goldberg that couldn't go on last um and you had seth triple h no that can't go on last the shit show that was Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna have a match with fucking worms in the ring going on last. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I mean, it it had to go on. They don't they, even if it wasn't, even if what they were trying to accomplish wasn't the main story of WrestleMania. There was just no other option to go on last year. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. You could you could make a case for any of the top four, uh, either title match, either brand's title match, the mixed tag, or Cena Undertaker going on last, and that's a good thing. Although, history will tell you. Maybe this doesn't matter so much in 2018. The WrestleManias that have a clearly defined main event typically do better business than the ones that are like, well, you know, you've got four main events on this card. Yeah. You know, they tried to do that with, like, Mania 19 and Mania 26, and those, you know, those ones were, were, were dis- did disappointing business, particularly 19. Yeah, I just I know this is going to be the crowning Roman Reigns mania yet again, but I just have a feeling when they make this match official, Cena Taker is just going to over You heard the pop money. It's going to overshadow everything and I feel like it's going to have to go on last, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
I don't know. They, they're they're off to a really good start booking this Lesnar Reigns match. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. And uh, I don't know if uh, your boy Brian James knows, but uh, AJ Styles is supposed to wrestle Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not forget about that one either. I mean, this is I said last last week. This is going to be one of the best WrestleManias in years, in my opinion, and I am pumped to go to New Orleans to hang out with you guys. All of us for the first time, the Top Rope Nation crew. We'll be seeing some other guys down there. I know uh, Derek Chappelle is going to be there from Oversell, so it'll be cool to see him too. For sure. So I am big time looking forward to it. Just a few weeks' time, Kyle. We'll be sharing a beer ski together. Yeah, I know. I just had a, you know, a little minor foot surgery done. I, I, should, I had it done this week, so I'd be recovered in time for uh, New Orleans. Don't want to be hobbling around like some gimp. <laughs> definitely not we got big plans we got big plans are you doing a walking tour of new orleans by the way you tell me about sightseeing and everything because justin oh, and i have that planned oh uh no i'm at, we're actually going uh what is it like one of those like speed boats through the uh swamp and stuff like that threats of alligators nice sweet oh so, yeah i want to do that with buddy i like to always experience the uh the great cultures that uh, the individual cities of this fine country have to offer. <laughs> I, I hope you don't run into Skinner. Jesus, I don't. <laughs> that's a good reference. <laughs> Skinner, Steve, Steve Kerr. Oh man! <laughs> All right, guys, we are like fresh out of time. It's been a good show. We'll be talking more about the WrestleMania weekend as as we get closer to New Orleans. And any of you guys that are listeners of the show, let us know. Send us a tweet. We're at, at Top Rope Pod. Let us know if you're going to be down there. We'd love to say what's up. And uh, we will be back at you next Friday for another edition of Top Rope Nation. It'll be episode 48. Again, look us up on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. It takes two seconds, and it'll help us out greatly. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you guys next week. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our Keep Stock Inventory Management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/slash Keep Stock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.